Suns fans, you know what time it is in the PHX. Empire of the Suns. Phoenix Suns. The Empire of the Suns podcast is brought to you by Sonic. Mmm, Sonic. Empire of the Suns. Hello there, and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson. I'm joined by Kevin Zimmerman. What's up, man? Good inflections. Um, I'm doing I gotta, well. I yeah. do it different every time. I, I know. I challenge myself. <laughs> the listeners are like, really? He does? <laughs> They're like, yeah, man. We'll I wonder it. if they think it's like super fun or like, what will Kellen do this time? They're just super annoyed by it. But you know what I do? I grab their attention right away. And that's I the like, point. I like when we stick to bits in life. I'm never never I'm, move it off. Yeah. You've known me for a long time. You know I'm a bit guy. Yes. Everyone who knows me knows I'm a bit guy. The Suns had a bit in Dallas and Houston. We're going to talk about the three games uh, after the All-Star break. Just less about the games and more so about, hey, guess what's on Friday? March. <laughs> We've had a lot of like, if by this date the Suns are this or whatever, and it's like, it's March. We're here. The Suns kind of are what they are. Not kind of. They mostly are what they are at this point. And so taking that into consideration, what does that mean? Just quickly run through the games. Dallas and Houston losses where you were tweeting this. I wrote about it for the Dallas game specifically. You just combine like five minutes, five to seven minutes of game time across the second half in Dallas, and they got outscored by 30 points. They just lost focus for small segments of the game, and that was enough. And then in the Houston game, they just should have blown them out in the first half. Houston was ready to get blown out. Everyone on the floor for them looked like they were thinking about where they were going after the game and then what they were doing for like brunch on Saturday. It didn't look like they were focused on basketball. And then all of a sudden, like Jalen Green is like attacking in transition, and it's like, uh oh. Like they they understand they can beat you now, and that's a problem because they didn't look like they thought they could. Uh, going into that they lose that game that was a very 50-50 possession by possession game in the fourth quarter but that doesn't matter a ton then they beat the Lakers in an encouraging win because it was the most in my opinion the most well-rounded game they played this season from a contribution standpoint Uh, not a good Booker game not a good Durant game to their standards but all of the supporting cast that played got in there and then the coolest wrinkle of the game was that we saw a playoff rotation 37 to 39 minutes for the starters. Uh, Royce O'Neal was in for Eric Gordon. No Bradley Beal again. Um, we'll get to that in now. I guess I'll get to it now. I mean, there's <laughs> you, you guys don't know the drill by now. We don't really have any updates. He's questionable for tomorrow, and he's going to probably keep being questionable until he plays. I don't, I don't know what to add on that. But uh, Bull Bull plays 24 minutes off the bench, I think, and that's pretty much those guys. No one else played above 10, uh, and it, and so it was good to see. So a mix. Uh, a mixing and matching of three performances for us to go off of, Kevin. Yeah, I guess we talk about we're here, we're in almost March. Um, we have an extra day until March this year, leap year, shouts. Um, but my, I'm curious, like, what if we've spent all this season talking about, like, a team that obviously is led by a couple guys in book and Katie who know this is a long season. So Frank never panicked. Not those two guys. The leaders have never sensed put out signs of like the things are sinking or this isn't going to work despite obviously how we've reacted and fans have reacted. I'm just wondering if there's any chance that like they are just 
floating because it's hard to focus and they're just lock in at some point. Um, now, when you come out of the All-Star break looking like that, it makes it a lot easier to lock in for like that Lakers-like game. Um, so I think we're, we are at the point where we won't have the like you wrote in your story like though just wait and i'll we'll see if they like clean up the the little batches of minutes where they just fall apart like that's just who they are they can't have that in the playoffs like everyone knows that and i think i put out a very sarcastic tweet it was apparently not clearly sarcastic but i was like you know if they just got rid of those minutes they'd be fine and people are like well they don't get rid of those minutes just like yeah that's the point that's you can't why do I sarcasm that. after a loss you i know i you know. know that i know how I'll, I'll live with the results of that but yeah so i just think that like we're gonna see whether they lock in or not now we're gonna see how you deal with losing two guys who should be in your rotation um, and again, that Lakers game was a good example. Um, we we should talk about Bull Bull real quick. I mean, like until he's not giving them that extra something, that juice, whatever you want to call it, that unique ability to just like kind of give them energy. Um, I think he's in the rotation and we couldn't have called that in the preseason, the way he was playing even like it, it has been a, to me a drastic turn where it's not many possessions where he's just blatantly messing up um and he's playing like a good role player so that's that's another ad and like he's peaking at the right time if that's indeed gonna stay don't know if the shot's gonna stay that accurate and and stretching ability but we'll see so there's a lot to kind of sort out but yes we are we are there and we are gonna start looking at like this team has flaws but he needs to play every game now um whether it's situation him like what combination of the pie chart is situation himself whatever it is everything that wasn't coming together for him in orlando is coming together here where he is perfectly able to understand and execute what he needs to be doing on the floor and not doing anything more than that yeah uh, and now he is finding confidence within that role. Like these floaters that he's taking from the mid range go in a lot, but that wasn't a shot that he would have taken three weeks ago necessarily. So that has been really great to see. We were dead wrong on that. The Suns nailed this, even if this is it. Like they still nailed it. Like getting the contributions they've gotten from him for whatever it's been ten games now. Um, that was the type of signing that we were critical of, and the Suns have turned it around on a lot of the <laughs> naysayers, and including him. Shout out to him. You'd love to see someone succeed, especially in a situation like that. And I will it's say, a matter of how sustainable yeah. the, the lineups are where you play him, because you and I talked about him a lot previously. He's a five. The, the shot pretty much makes him a five. He's hitting enough threes right now to be playing some four. Um, with Durant at the three or whatever you want to call whoever's the three in that situation. I don't know in the Monstars lineup, but um, he just needs to keep hitting threes. And if he keeps hitting threes, he can play the four and get more minutes. But if it's the other way around, then you got to play him at the five, and it's like that small ball at that point pretty much. So uh, we'll see how it goes. But he's been doing really, really well, and I think the point of the piece, I didn't get to it with Bull Bull, but these guys have proven the supporting cast mainly Grayson and Yusuf but all, but also Eric Gordon, Royce O'Neal lately and Bull Bull lately have proven that they're good enough in their roles to really contribute and help them win in the regular season but can they do it in the playoffs? The playoffs is a whole other beast. 
don't know. I just I just don't know. I was just gonna say the it's wild that we thought okay they hit on all these minimum signings these guys who haven't been on good teams once on a winning squad kind of like we assumed everyone would be Josh Kogi and thrive next to superstars and it just didn't happen and then they trade all of them for the guy who you know can do that in Royce O'Neal but it's weird that the developmental the one guy on this roster in, in Bull who was the developmental kind of archetype I don't know words but it's a good word yeah um to start this year is now the guy who seems to be like taking steps being somewhat reliable knowing his role fitting his role in and really if you look at what's crazy about this roster construction is in this last set of games after the all-star break it's the guys who are scorers who are secondary guys who have thrived the most around the big three. And, and I think to your point of what you wrote, it's interesting that, like, yeah, Nurkic, to some degree, yeah, I mean, to many degrees, he's an offensive player. Um, but, like, Grayson, Eric Gordon, Bull Bull, shot makers, like, they're benefiting the most when really it's like, man, if KBD was on this team and it was just making shots – you'd be in a different place. But here we are, and shot makers are benefiting from playing with some of the best shot makers, which, again, is just super weird to think about it that way. But it's also, like, makes sense. Coming up, they've got two games against Houston, and then I think we oftentimes refer to the road trip, the East Coast road trip, as the most difficult part of the schedule, and I still stand by that because of how road trips are. But in terms of opponents, this six-game stretch after the Houston game on Saturday is by far their most difficult. They've got Oklahoma City at home, away at Denver, home against Toronto, which is fine. But then you've got home Boston, at Cleveland, at Boston. Uh, That's brutal. And then the last 10 games of the season are Denver, OKC, New Orleans, Cleveland, Minnesota, New Orleans, LA, uh, the Clippers, excuse me, the Clippers again, and then the Kings and the Timberwolves again. Uh, They've got a brutal stretch here these that's why that houston game was so inexcusable for so many reasons um mainly just like hey you're a play you might be a playing team and if you are one game away this is the type of game that like you should have never ever and our the next two houston games yeah lost that game so these next two they gotta take care of business they gotta win these games because they are playing elite teams uh and to kind of go on that for a bit uh, to start with OKC, we'll briefly mention denver we'll get to boston next week um those two games aren't coming until the next time that we will podcast there are two teams in the league that are top five in offensive rating and defensive rating uh okc is third in offensive rating and they are fourth in defensive rating boston is first in offensive rating and second in defensive rating that's the other team okc is led by a three-headed monster that are all babies essentially Mm -hmm. but it doesn't matter they're just running the league right now shea's averaging 31 a game and shooting 55 percent from the field it's insane that's like that's the Kevin Durant line, almost, and he, he's a guard. Um, Jalen Williams, 19 a game, is shooting 54 from the field. Chet Holmgren, 17 a game. He, the, our hypothesis, my hypothesis, preseason, like he might just be really good right away. He's really good right away. 54 from three, and uh, 54 from the field. Excuse me. That's really their core three guys who score for them, and then it's a myriad of different guys who will contribute and play well for them. But the main thing to understand on them is that they are an excellent shooting team. At the free throw line, they lead the league in free throw percentage, uh, 83%. And then from three, they're at nearly 40% as a team. 
They're at 39.8. Jeez. As a team, Shea, three attempts. And, and how they do this is interesting because there is no one who is doing a uh, Luka thing where they're taking 10 threes a game or a Steph thing or a Clay yeah. thing. Everyone, the leader in three point attempts per game is Lou Dort at just under five. <laughs> Um, and that's it. But let me go through their leading scores again by three-pointers uh, percentage. Shea, 38.9. Jalen Williams, 45.4. Chet, 40.1. He's a seven-footer. Remember that. Josh Giddy 32.7 is the only anomaly. And I wonder, part of the Gordon Hayward thing makes me wonder, like, did they bring Gordon Hayward here just to play over Josh Giddy in, in a certain yeah. context? Lou Dort... You hear that number and you're like, oh man, remember when Lou Dort was really bad as a shooter? 40.1. Look at Lou working. Hey, if you get that many up, he's been doing it since college and they're confident shots and yeah. That's that was the Chris Paul thing for me where like Chris Paul liked him and I was like, he's gonna he's gonna be a good shooter. Yeah. Like Chris is like just has a nose for those kinds of things. Isaiah Joe, speaking of good shooters, oh. Oh. uh forty two point six and he's taking four point five a game and only eighteen point five minutes a game. So he per thirty six. He's their guy. Cason Wallace, we mentioned pre-draft, we liked him. What's he shooting overall? 41.6% from the from three on nearly three a game, and then 50.7 from the field. He's only taking five okay. shots a game, but still pretty good. He was shooting like 60%, and he's a guard for like the good first quarter of the season or something. Aaron Wiggins, he's only out there for 14 minutes a game. He's shooting 51.2% from the field. That's on like whatever this is, like 100 total attempts maybe. Uh, Kenrich Williams, 40 Usman Jang, 31, there's your outlier. And then Jalen Williams, uh, the I take charges a lot, Jalen Williams. <laughs> like he had a ridiculous amount last year. I'm sure he has a lot this year. He's a stretch five. He's, yeah. he's 36. Yeah. Uh, so they've got a lot going for them. They're incorporating Gordon Hayward as well, who has just played in four games for them. He's only shooting 29% from the field. Hasn't taken a three yet, which is kind weird. of weird, interesting thing. Barely has any assists. So I think he was just kind of playing off the ball a lot. And getting used to it, and that was the thing with him moving. I was like, as long as you're not taking the ball out of the other guy's hands, mainly Williams and Shea, then I'm cool with it. And it and seems he like he won't. Yeah, statistically, that's where they're at. Um, they, they're good. Legitimately, they're great. And the only thing keeping them from being a team that I would pick to make the finals right now is how old they are, and that's it. Everyone knows I'm a firm believer in experience and just having guys that have made the postseason. Now, I wrote the article when the Suns uh, were looking like a finals team the year they made the finals and i was like the only reason why i'm not picking them is because of experience and then here is the track record why it is incredibly rare for guys 25 or younger in their first postseason to make the finals like with a couple of those guys in the starting lineup uh none of these guys have played in the playoffs before gordon hayward i I, I guess is now a qualifier but that's it lou dort actually has excuse me he was one of the few holdovers from the uh, Chris Paul Shea team. has Shea. a couple. Shea has a couple too. Yeah, I'm totally Clippers. wrong. Excuse me. It's um, it's Dort and Shea. I'm trying to think in Hayward, obviously. Yeah. Um, I think Kenrich Williams was around for those teams as well. Here's the thing, though. Like What's when the, the Suns thing? when the Suns made that run, they had Chris Paul, and so that, that was, covers they had Jay Crowder too. And Jay Crowder, yes. I should say him too. Um, uh, that but, makes up for a lot when you just have those guys around. They don't really have that guy who's going to play that much, even if Hayward's playing 25, 30 minutes. So um, Shea and Dort and then uh, Kendrick Williams didn't really play that yeah. much on that team. But, but I will say... Too. Guess who started 49 games for that team? Oof. Wait, which team? Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Um, that was the 22-win Oklahoma City Thunder that had... T- 
Mateo Maladon starting 49 oh. games. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Shea was on that team. Lou Dort was on that team. Uh, no, he was not there yet, actually. Kendrick wasn't there, so those are the two guys. But to, to your point, what you're mentioning and what I was about to say is, that was the big difference. And these team, this team, Gordon Hayward arriving is their veteran. Here are their ages. Shea's 25, Jalen Williams 22, Chet's 21, Lou Dort's 24, Giddy's 21, Wallace is 20, Isaiah Joe, who like seems like he's been around, he's 24. Yeah. Kenrich is 29. He's the he's the older one uh, of the group. Gordon Hayward comes in, he's 33. Um, but it is a young group. I think is Biz still there? Was that a contract for the rest of the season for Biz McNamara? So they brought in some veterans. Like Bertons was kind of there for a bit until they did their deal um, to make things happen there. But they are a fantastic basketball team. And again, it's just experience. That's the only reason I'm not picking them to make the finals because I think that really, truly, like you don't know what round two and round three is like until you're there. And countless people have said this. They're built on modern basketball, like just positionless, can defend, can shoot, can make the right passes, can take the right shots. And that's like when you look at why they're shooting great percentages across the board, even guys who play 15, 10 minutes a game, it's they just I don't it. It's got to be coaching, I guess. Like, they just have a good sense of, like, till we get a good shot, don't outplay yourself. And that's a really unique thing for a young team, I think. Um, but, yeah, I mean, back to the Suns, though, if you're done to, on them. Well, yeah. but to that point, um, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but maybe the most proud I've ever been of a tweet before because you know how I like to blend sports and video games or sports and movies whatever i tweeted watching okc reminds me of red dead redemption 2 which is this game about cowboys um and out more so outlaws at like the turn of like the 1900s starting up where we're not going to let you guys be outlawing anymore like you guys are going to not be able to get away with this and people like you that make it like just live off being an outlaw like you guys aren't going to exist anymore because there are these uh law enforcement agencies that are going to be laws looking out for you yeah. yeah that kind of thing so i said it reminds me of the game the times are changing if you're not a smart and skilled ball handler in five to ten years you are arthur morgan the main character of the uh game someone the inevitable future will make a dinosaur soon enough and wow you tweeted all that you i did t- you're reading it i tweeted all that uh that's in good january yeah. of 2023 but to your point it's just shea can do everything with a ball mm-hmm. jalen williams can do everything with a ball yeah, Chet for his size can pretty much do everything with a ball. Like at his age, where he's at, imagine when he's going to be in five years. Like how he's reading the court and stuff. Giddy is the limited guy in that group, but he is a high level, high level playmaker. Lou Dort, like he'll do dribble stuff occasionally. Now yeah. you don't want him to be doing that, but with that being said, um, he's not just a catch and shoot guy. That's primarily his role. Casey Wallace was a guy who was looked at as a combo guard coming out of the draft, but guess what? A really smart team took him and said, we're just going to make you a 3 and D guy right now, and then we'll do the Mikael Bridges thing maybe in three years with you. Um, so they, they, they're they just led by guys like that that they've targeted in the draft, and that's even with someone like Usman Jang, who was supposed to be like their 6'10 versatile wing, um, long versatile wing. He hasn't really quite panned out just yet. Um, but man, they're they're really impressive. So I just wanted to really highlight them on the episode because they have played OKC before. They played them in November, but that was the Bookerless team. They were four and six. The Suns yeah. weren't really there. And then OKC was like at the very start of it. Um, they're forty-one and seventeen, and they've won six straight basketball games. Uh, they're they're excellent. 
Um, so they're they're playing. Uh, the Suns are playing them on Sunday, and then they play them again uh, on March 29th uh, at the end of uh, the year. There's this that that's the that's the second game of that last ten where it gets brutal. I I wanted to point out like okay they're playing them. I think they have Pels twice. Pels twice. Pels twice. Pels on April 1st and April 7th. And they're right with them in the standings. They still have a tiebreaker to figure out there. Kings, I believe they have a tiebreaker to figure out. Second to last game of the year. Yeah, that's after two Clippers games. So you still have two Clippers games left. Um, But also, you even look below the Suns, a bit below, and like the Warriors are still doing the we're not dead yet thing that they did when the Suns last played them. Chris Paul's back. Chris Paul's so, back. The dynamic duo off the bench. Chris Paul Chris and Clay, Clay Thompson. So, guess what? They drafted another really good player. Two. Brandon Pajemski seems pretty good. Yeah. Jonathan Kaminga is now really good. Figuring it out. Like, so they yeah. always do it. Those sons of guns. Yeah. I mean, the... And then when he signed to a five-year, $150 million deal, they'll trade him to wherever. Yeah. They'll maximize and then... But yeah. I mean... It's going to be a wild finish, so to the point of where we started off the top, better button up soon, Phoenix Suns, yeah. Not even a soon thing, it's just you have to be able to maintain what you've done now. Like, you don't have any, the, if there was any sort of wiggle room for them, it's gone. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was gone a while ago, but to your point, they were sort of ripping off, and it seemed like they were kind of heading into a really good place, 26 and 18 is where they were at, and they're... They're eight and six since then, and that's above five hundred, and that's that's fine. But if other teams get hot right now, you're going to need to be better than fine. Uh, and a lot of that is contingent on Bradley Beal coming back. Yeah, I, I don't know, guys. Um, <laughs> Why don't you know? That's your I, job, Kellen. When we don't get the two to three week timeline thing, it's assumed to be a day to day injury. But Dwayne Rankin with uh, the the paper did a really good job of kind of following up because it seemed like he had a report last week, and Dwayne's normally on everything he had a uh, report that like if nothing goes wrong he's going to be back he had that report all-star weekend he's going to be back thursday if everything goes well and now he's still out a week and a half later so it's like did something happen is he fine is this like a is this a strain they're still listing it as hamstring tightness. uber cautionary i don't know um i believe that vogel when uh the god barry bloom pressed about injury stuff like uh, barry bloom will be known to do um that's a reference like seven people listening to this podcast will understand but those seven boomski really, on basketball we really love it he yes. got vogel to say it is a strain okay um so it's it's obviously not just tightness which i think we all knew but it was good to hear it said aloud uh and they need him back but that was part of the reason why i wrote, wrote the story is like guess what if i had to sit here and guess like let's say they play 13 games in the in the uh in the first round in the, in the first two rounds, excuse me. Um, assuming they make it past the first round, which matchup-based, we'll see. That's what I've been saying. If I just sit here and tell you, will do I think every member of uh, the big three will play in all of those games, one, or two, will play in all of those games and look like they are healthy? Because I think that if someone gets hurt, they're probably just going to play through it anyway, unless it's a serious injury like Chris's was. Um on multiple occasions with him but i yeah i I don't have faith that that's going to happen just with the way that this year has gone specifically uh for brad but also for the other two guys as well like they've had their bumps and bruises over the year yeah um like books 
that was it when book did whatever he did when he was going baseline to baseline to chase that steal yeah they were they were cooked i i knew as soon as i saw that and he wasn't driving the ball i was like there the series is over it yeah. was i i'm sure there were fans like oh yeah of course it was over it was like, well, mm. you forget how He's it was in Phoenix really... for games three and four and then you get to six who knows but i i will say the interesting part about your story and that you wrote today was just the awareness of like Grayson Allen, for example. Like he's aware who's on the court with him. He's aware of Bradley Bill's not there. Vogel said that, yeah, yeah. And Frank Vogel said basically like he's going to shoot a lot more. And I think you used the word chucker, not not quoted, but you used it. I believe he's have a chucker's mindset. Yeah. Is what I said. Like he he took twelve threes against the Lakers. It's like yes, yeah. That Mike Veal has been sarcastically, but not really sarcastically saying, like maybe Grayson Allen taking fifteen threes a game is our best offense right now. And and that's the thing. It's like you haven't even had a fall off in the percentage yet so maybe chuck more <laughs> like yeah. if you drop to like 35 still chuck more at at this rate so that that's going to be something to watch but yeah they uh they could use a Bradley Beal back anything else what are we missing anything new uh not really i mentioned denver um they started off the year 17 and 10 they're coming up on tuesday so i don't know if we'll podcast before them but just like a brief update on them Mm -hmm. 17 and 10 after a quick loss oklahoma city or 14 and 9 whatever you want to call it but since that 17 and 10 mark they are 22 and 9 so they've been more or less in that range of where the top four are but it just took them 25 games 30 games excuse me to sort of get there it's pretty much what you expect Jokic is the best player in the world he's having another incredible season all of those guys know their roles Jamal Murray looks like a top 10 point guard in the regular season and then guess what when the bright stage and the bright lights come on he looks like one of the best players in the world yep Uh, he has certified that after the finals run last year the championship run last year Michael Porter Jr. knows what he's doing. Aaron Gordon knows what he's doing. Quietly shooting 45, 36, 78 from the field off 11 points per game. Reggie Jackson. He's in there now. He was a buyout guy where it was like, okay, like you guys really think. And then (laughs) he just needed a full year to get it under him. Uh, There hasn't been a... I think the main question I have, and I am not qualified enough to say this, is... How ready are the are the kids? Like, did Christian Brown take a step forward this year? Is he more or less look like the same player? Uh, Peyton Watson has been the guy getting reps for them. Uh, he was someone who did not pass the Aaron Holiday test at UCLA whatsoever. Um, but then he gets to the pros, and then he gets in the system, and especially defensively, he is really, really popped. If you just search Peyton Watson on Twitter right now, you're going to see defensive highlights of him. He's been... He's been good enough to make you think that if his offense is figured out, he'll make multiple all-defense teams in his career. Like He's been that yeah. type of defender in, in his first real true NBA season. Julian Strother, yeah. a member, I was a member of a Hive. Kevy shooting 31 from three, no. which that is the classic. Like I'm rookie. a rookie, there's yeah. a lot going on. I'm Have you awesome seen shooter, his stroke? Yeah. But it's not really happening there. Uh, it's Brown and Watson have been the guys consistently in there. Strother's getting cracks every now and then. Zeke Naji is getting some run occasionally, but... Not so much. They're still kind of doing the DeAndre Jordan thing, I think. (laughs) But I think unless they absolutely collapse, like they went through like a little skid here for a while where people like, what's going on with the Nuggets? And it's like they had one of these last year and then they were awesome. So 
That's how I, I think they're still like the Nuggets. There's no reason to not think they're the Nuggets, but in case you were curious. Can I leave you with a crazy thought? Mm. Are we going to be talking in what, a month-ish, a little over a month, about the Phoenix Suns wanting to lose games and be... To avoid Denver? To hit the Timberwolves or something. I saw someone tweet that last night. I can't remember. Someone said, like, being a 7 of the 8 seems pretty cool right now. Uh, that is because... The problem is you have to do plans. Yes. Uh, the Nuggets are the three. Which you don't want. So, only two losses out. The Nuggets have 19 losses, and so do the Clippers right behind them. And then the Timberwolves and Thunder are at 17. That is still very much a jumbled up thing. Like, all it takes is Minnesota kind of falling out. But the thing is, Minnesota's just won all year. Oklahoma City's yeah. just won all year. Oklahoma... Or Denver had just like a slight like seven games over 500 thing or five games do you want to hit denver before they really ramp up the, uh, the problem in all this is like you don't want to be in you don't want to be in, so. i think you avoid the plane at all costs no matter what yes and if you're the five or the six and you have to play denver or la i agree with what you just said which is it's better to get them early and mm-hmm. guess what if you get minnesota or oklahoma city in the later rounds i think that's even better yeah you just got to get past it. And that's the thing is like, let the other people scout them, find their flaws, and then you apply that. Yeah. I think the only thought that would bear something here is if you believe that the Suns getting OKC or Minnesota a better matchup in theory in mm-hmm. the first round, they need to get that will get the, their gears spinning to the point where you think now they could potentially beat Denver or the Clippers. Whereas if they play them in round one, you didn't think they would beat them. I don't think we're there. Again, it's um, my whole tagline for this is like, it's March. Yeah. We're already here. Um, but I think especially with the teams in the play-in. So here are the play-in teams right now. The Kings, who could put 140 on you any night. No. The Dallas Mavericks, where Luka and Kyrie could combine for 80 in any night. And then they could, again, they just they lost a playoff series like this two years ago where they shot 40 from three and you never stand a chance. Now they could shoot 32 from three and you beat them, but they're the ultimate are the threes going in team and they've gotten better. P.J. Washington figuring it out still, but Gafford looks like he's the guy. Steph and the Golden State Warriors. No. LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, if I had to choose. If you had to choose. But, but I don't want to choose. Do you want to see LeBron in a do-or-die game? No. It also depends if you're the... The, can you lose one in the play-in? Can you lose two? Like, yeah, this is too much. Well, they're they're going to be the seven of the eight very likely. They are th- only three games ahead of the Warriors again. So if they skid, but it, we don't anticipate them to skid, and we don't anticipate the Warriors to win twenty-two of their last twenty-five. No. Um, they're at the seven of the eight, which would mean they have to lose twice. But at the same time, you can lose twice. Hmm. It is not difficult to do. I believe the plan, this is more of like a talk for us in the last, like in the first week of April, but I believe the numbers are like the seven and the eight have just made it every time. Okay. Something like that, like yeah. the history of, of the plan. What are we in? Two years and two conferences, so. How could you forget the TJ McConnell play-in game? Come on, man. You know that. Uh, how about the Cats? What you thinking? Another one tonight? Oh, yeah. That's Cats talk for you. Hmm. Uh, I was already wrong. Uh, the Memphis <laughs> made it to the eighth seed. Uh, they were a nine. Uh, seven and eight in the East were Boston and Washington in 2021. In 22, it was Minnesota as the seven. They were the seven. And, and then, then New Orleans as the them. eight. They were the nine. Uh, and then seven and nine, Brooklyn and Atlanta. So Atlanta was able to win two straight as well. Uh, it was the seven, eight again. 
2023. Last year it was a 7-8 again. So, okay. yeah, it's been a resulting playoff seed. Here you go. So you get... Um, you've had three nines make it, which is... Yeah. Don't want to be losing to that nine. And I think that's and I think that's because there's like a drop off there, right? Like Yeah. So yeah. All right. We're out of here. See you everyone.